I'm Leon Prather, and welcome to AV Reacts, the podcast where we talk about the things that we hear and see going on in the world and in pop culture, and we do all that from an audiovisual perspective. Today's episode is going to be a pretty fun one because superhero films have become essentially the face of blockbuster movies, I think, since about 2008 when the Marvel Cinematic Universe had its breakout hit, Iron Man, uh, starring Robert Downey Jr. But apart from having actors and the characters they play become world famous as a result of the MCU and films like it, these blockbuster films have also made stars of some pretty interesting virtual production techniques. Talking about virtual production here. <laughs> They've made uh, some really, really cool uh, storytelling techniques stand out to us in pop culture. A lot of people know about them. We're going to talk about virtual production today. Now, we're going to be talking about the movies that also use virtual production, but I don't want to take too much time from us getting into that episode. So let's actually start sharing who is here with us. Um, I'm not the only person who's going to be speaking today. We've got several uh, guests who are here and ready to speak, uh, very eager to speak about this topic. First, we're gonna talk about Charles. Charles Heroes, uh, my colleague and a fantastic video producer here at Avixa, who may also be, apart from me, maybe the biggest MCU fan there is. Uh, Charles, let us know why you're excited to talk about this today. Well, uh, I've been in love with the film world since I was a young kid. And in 2007, when Transformers came out and you saw the the outfits or the, the body start to change and all the detail going from a car to a robot, back from a robot to a car was groundbreaking at the time. It had never really been done in that kind of way. Um, and when I saw that, I was like, okay, I am sure this is the industry I want to be in. This is the world I want to be in and kind of, you know, work in some kind of capacity in special effects or graphics. Um, and so working with the VIXA, I've had a blast actually working on virtual production sets, uh, working with different companies have actually worked on these projects before so I can learn from them and get some insight. Uh, and so now going forward, I mean, if I can get myself in a Marvel movie, if I can get my son into a Marvel movie, mm. I've made it in life. That's the way forward. Use the use the cute kid for sure. Leverage them exactly. for as long as you can. Um, with us also, we've got Hope Roth. Hope Roth is another MCU fan. Um, she's also been a frequent Avixa volunteer, so you may have seen her in some webinars or some other different programs that we put on. And uh, Hope also works as a professional services engineer for QSC in the cinema division. Hope, why are you excited to talk uh, to talk about this subject today? I'm just a big movie nerd. I love. I love going to the movies. I love talking about movies. Um, so I'm just excited to talk with some fellow movie nerds. Yeah, um, I don't mind being called a nerd if it's about something that I actually care about. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I, you know, true story. True story. I was mistaken for Urkel growing up for a really, really long time. Um, but that that didn't get me uh, any any fame or fortune. Um, so I'm still waiting on that MCU call too, Charles. But last but not least, we've also got my good buddy, Mark Mims, who is the CEO of Home Studios and a recently award-winning uh, film producer. So Mims, why are you excited to be here today? Oh, I can, I mean, I can name a thousand reasons, but I think I echo what Hope and Charles were saying is that just how much like film shapes culture now, right? And 
um, and how it, it has proven to be in the last few years, just a, a great way of escaping, right? Reality as well. And so like Charles was mentioning Transformers, I think that moment when me and my son were watching Iron Man the first time, right? And, and just seeing the detail with CGI and how far it came and how real it made it and how it, it bonded us when you're my kid, right? And, and that's a thing for us now. We haven't missed a Marvel movie in <laughs> probably a really long time. So yes, I'm excited to kind of talk with some other fellow MCU fanatics as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's something that as of the date of this recording, just to put this in a time capsule for everybody, the MCU, which is not the only franchise we're going to talk about today, but as of today, it's hit 33 movies in less than 20 years. That is insane. So we're talking about something that truly has affected the cultural landscape today and probably will for the foreseeable future. And this technology that we're talking about has had some pretty big impacts on the industry, on the filmmaking industry, as well as audiences. So let's go ahead and talk through a little bit of what virtual production is. In case you're at home and you are listening to this and you're thinking, I've heard of this word, but maybe I'm not sure what it is, we'll break it down really quickly for you. And I found this definition, I'm gonna read it so I don't mess it up, but the definition I found is that virtual production can generally be defined as whenever we are doing filmmaking techniques that involve virtual and physical worlds to create movies. Uh, the way I like to put that too is that what's different between it and like the green screen post-production world is that what you see, what the audience sees is essentially also what the camera sees. So virtual production employs lots of different technologies like CGI, like computer generated imagery, as well as augmented reality, and then the traditional things like motion capture and, and things like that. So uh, now, Charles, you've done a lot of educational material related to this. Can you expound a little bit more on virtual production for those at home? Yeah, virtual production is something that, you know, obviously people are using for filmmaking, but the idea behind virtual production was meant to really speed up production, period. So music videos use virtual production education uses virtual production movies all sorts of different arenas use virtual production because it allows you to give that real-time look of what's actually going on so for people that don't really understand what we're saying when we say that i mean obviously if you're watching this video you probably have a grasp on it but virtual production is like you're already creating these worlds you're already creating these graphics for whatever project you're making. And it allows you using math, using very smart people behind a camera and behind these screens that understand how to actually make it come to life and actually work in camera. It's actually bringing it through the camera to the screen so you can actually see what's happening. But that's not really just the impact that virtual production is making. Um, it's allowing actors to actually feel more free in their their art form. Uh, a lot of times, you know, especially going back to Thanos, uh, the big bad of the MCU, uh, he was, the actor did a great job, but a lot of people were talking to an extra or some kind of background person who had a giant like sculpture on their head. The sculpture did not move. It did not speak words. It did not say anything. And they had to look at that head and emote their feelings looking at that head now going just a couple years later with the mandalorian you're actually able to see the lights hitting you know the helmet of the mandalorian which is allowing the actor and of course the extra mandalorians because obviously pedro was not inside the suit all the time but allowed all these individuals to really not only just act well but feel like they're actually in that location 
Now, once you get to that point, you've got a great product. But before you get to that point, you actually, again, like I said, you need to have these smart people who understand how to actually program this world and actually use this technology. We had worked with Halo Stage a few years ago, and we we're working with Adrian Weber, and he was telling us, you can't just take a normal DP or a normal you know, camera assistant, lighting technician, and put them in a, on a volume set. It's just not going to work the same. The, the math, the technology is completely different. So now that's adding an extra layer for education, for career development, for learning how to use these technologies to really better your project and obviously better the impact for the viewers. Yeah. So really uh, a huge takeaway is that virtual production is sort of a next step when it comes to innovation. And in the audiovisual industry, we know that innovation is something that basically just is happening all the time. We're always excited. That's why we all work in AV or work in production. We're excited about innovation. So this particular episode, we're talking a little bit less about those things where it's just, hey, we're just trying to show you something, but we're talking about the idea of storytelling. And what's really awesome, and when you, if you were to ask me what I think is really cool about virtual production, I'd say is this idea of this really elegant marriage of storytelling with technology. It's not just we're doing it for the glitz and the glam or just to wow someone. We're just doing it to try to better a story or better tell the story. But you mentioned The Mandalorian. I think everybody knows about that example. Um, that's one of the things that probably put virtual production, I'd say, on the map as far as the layperson was concerned. But let's talk about other examples of virtual production as we start, as we get to the point where the MCU takes off and, and Star Wars you know, gives us the LED volume and, and whatnot. As we roll into the evolution of the technology, let's branch away from the MCU and Disney for just a second, because I don't know that everyone at home, while audiences are, of course, getting smarter and they're getting used to seeing this technology and sometimes trying to find the cracks in it, I don't know that everyone is always aware that the principles behind virtual production can actually be found in some non-MCU, non-Star Wars, non-sci-fi examples. So... For our esteemed guests here, we're going to share some examples. I'm going to show you some things, and I want you guys to tell me if you can do what audiences at home would, well, would be doing, which is, can you spot it? Can you tell where the virtual production is in some of these fairly well-known film examples that might be surprising virtual uh, production examples? So I am not actually sharing something from the very first instance, but I do want to say that the very first instance that I could find in my research about virtual production principles actually came in the 1930s in a film called Lilium. And honestly, I couldn't find any stills from it. So I had to fast forward. <laughs> I had to fast forward several decades and I found this one. So this is actually from a film called North by Northwest. Uh, and if you've seen this film, um, you know that it's got a particular scene where the main character is fleeing a, an airplane. He's just looking at an airplane in a field and then all of a sudden the airplane seems to get closer to him and then he dodges it. So these still images that I'm showing, and those of you who are at home or are listening can't see the stills, but I'll describe them for you. The still images I'm showing you show what the camera sees and what the audience sees. I'm gonna play a really brief clip here showing the actual uh, motion that happens in North by Northwest, where I believe it's uh, Cary Grant who's in a car, he's driving and then he's in the field again looking up. And I'm sort of curious, can you guys tell where virtual production is actually being used here? Now, there's a little bit of a hint. Uh, let's, let's start with Hope. What do, you, what do you think? What's virtual in the scene? Well, I'm guessing they played an airplane behind them so we didn't have about Cary Grant getting decapitated. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, um, the days of Tom Cruise uh, telling everybody, no, I will just be there and you can put a knife near my face, uh, those days hadn't, yeah. hadn't happened yet. <laughs> so protecting uh, the actors. I, I, I do not understand why maiming yourself is such a flex. Um, mm-hmm. But anyways, <laughs> uh, and I'm going to go ahead and guess that maybe they used R as well, because actually when you were talking about sort of the, the you know, the, the old movies that walked so the MCU could run, I was thinking about is like every movie where Grace Kelly is driving and you behind her that they have clearly just projected something. Yeah. So I'm actually going to share that example. It's not actually the same one you just mentioned, but this is actually Sean Connery and Dr. No. And so I was going to say, can you guys tell what the technique is that they're using? Um, But you kind of just hit on it. Um, This is rear projection. And rear projection, rear, rear projection solved for the the movie industry the question of how do you film someone driving in a car and talking? <laughs> it's not something that was easy to do before. And so the camera sees the actor. The actor has something behind them that they can react to. But what they're really seeing is a rear projected image. There's a projector behind it that is casting some light. Um, and there's some light on the actor. But... Can you you can sort of tell why this doesn't work, right? Like for a modern audience today, the modern audience sees this and goes, "Oh, I know that that's I know that's fake." But you have to remember, back in this uh, in this decade, I think this was the '60s when people were seeing this, it was actually kind of groundbreaking. And one thing that I think is really awesome is that in the North by Northwest example, when Cary Grant does dodge this plane, one of the things that you do see that doesn't always happen in a lot of other examples is the production team cared about things like shadow and light. So there is not a plane overhead. He's he's just got a plane behind him. It's a picture of a plane. But when he dives on the ground, you see dust come up because they used real dust. And then you actually see a fake shadow go over his head because somebody is waving something over his head to make it seem like there's actually a plane there. And again, this is virtual production. Let's move on to another example here. Um, Charles, I'm gonna throw this one to you because uh, I think you're the nerdiest among us when it comes to some production stuff, uh, especially related to animation. So this is from Jason and the Argonauts. I believe it's also from the 60s. I don't know if you've seen this, but this is actually a really, really groundbreaking example where uh, the, the titular character, Jason, is uh, uh, in you know some kind of uh, Roman, sort of almost like gladiator garb and he's being chased by these skeletons that are attacking him and he's got to hit them with swords and shields and things what what do you think is going on in this charles how are they pulling (laughs) this off it looks like actually a mixture of stop motion and virtual production um he is obviously acting by himself there's not even a green screen actor with him he's just swiping at air hoping to not break a joint or anything um (laughs) and then once they get into pose i mean the pillars are there to a degree um but almost everything that like see in the foreground that stuff is there but everything in the background the water the sky the mountains all of that is virtual production and then of course they just use stop motion animation to create the little uh skeletons interacting with him which actually makes it kind of easier because now those skeletons can move at whatever angle you want them to move at yeah 
So there's one thing, uh, our, our guests, guys at home, uh, guys and girls at home, our guests are on it. They are nailing all these examples here, but there's one thing that Charles didn't mention yet. I'm wondering if anyone can spot it. I'm, I'll throw it to Mems here. There's one more element of this that might be surprising in virtual production. What else is virtual in this besides uh, the, you know, the sky and, and, the, and those pillars in the background? Yeah, I mean, the green screen itself is the, the one thing that stands out, right? But I'm, I'm not saying that there's something else I'm missing besides everything that Charles named. So um, this, this is actually a really impressive example. What's actually happening in this is the actor is actually virtual in this. And by that, I mean, he's real. He was recorded. But what the camera is seeing is actually a projection of him. He's not actually in front of the camera. So they filmed this one by filming him doing all the action. Like you said, Charles, you, got, you hit the nail on the head there. And then they stop motion animated the... Uh, skeletons interacting interacting with his background performance so if you this is a little bit low res so it's hard to see this but if you're really close you can also kind of tell that there ends up being some fuzziness around his body and that's the same fuzziness you also see in the background because it is rear projected or it's a projected background so the only thing that's actually moving in front of the camera in this is actually the stop motion skeletons um, you can kind of tell also because the skeletons never move behind him they only ever move in front of him or to the, the left and the right of him. But that was the only example I thought might stump our, our guests here. So if you're at home and you're watching this on video or hearing about it uh, uh, via, uh, via audio, hopefully you'll check this example out because it's pretty cool. But that of course takes us to more modern examples. Um, we mentioned rear projection already. Sometimes you're trying to fool people, but sometimes now you're seeing virtual production being used to give a jarring effect. So. In Kill Bill Volume 2, when the bride is driving, I don't have a motion uh, for this, when the bride is driving and you can see that she's got a rear projected background behind her, it's on purpose. It's supposed to make you feel like you're watching something old and they know that you're gonna know that that's the case because that's kind of the vibe of the movie, right? Um, but then you also get to these really modern examples, which takes us into the superhero world where we've got things like the Batman. Um, this scene is probably fairly obvious for those of us here, but this scene where we've got Robert Pattinson's uh, The Batman, or Batman, uh, speaking with uh, Catwoman on, um, I believe it was a, a, a almost fully constructed kind of high-rise building in, in the Gotham City for that film. There's virtual production going on, going on here. Anyone want to guess where that is? The entire stage. <laughs> Pretty much. No, you hit the nail on the head. It's the, the entire stage. I kind of wanted stage. to jump in there and say, like, I think that's where we're trying to figure out how to use this technology. Uh, you mentioned earlier, you know, are, are projects using it too much? Are projects using it not enough? Are you using it the right, you know, amount? This movie was very beautiful. But one of the knocks was that it was a little apparent when they were shooting in the volume stage. And going back to the previous example with the skeletons, even though they didn't go behind you know, the actor, it almost felt like it was a real set. And it's because how they put it together, how they edit it together. And that's what makes virtual production a make it or break it technology. Whereas filming, it's just filming, you're filming, you know what I mean? But if you decide to go virtual production, you can actually hinder your project if you don't really think about the the best case uses for it yeah yeah if i could say if i could see when charles this is really fascinating right because I, I think about when you're shooting back then there's the need right to have to create something right and then coming from a perspective of luxury 
right? And so, like, we're looking at these old, this old footage, right? It's like they needed a way to immerse you into a world that they could not create versus in modern filmmaking now, it's an abundance of riches, right? And so you're losing the essence of why you were doing it in the first place, right? And that, therefore, as an audience, we know that, though, right? Like, we know this. And so to your point, it's like, is it too much? Did you have to do that? And so it just creates a whole other dialogue that I won't bore you all with <laughs> today. <laughs> well, we're definitely going to talk about our reactions in general, but I think I want to know about this uh, this idea um, of what we think kind of makes it work well. So I'll actually start from the audience perspective because we're hitting on that right now. This is less about us as technicians, but just as an audience, when we when we turn off our AV hat for a second and we're just watching. Uh, Charles, um, actually, I'll, I'll start with you, Hope. As a, as a moviegoer, what, when you know that virtual production is going on, what kind of makes it work really well for you? Um, I think the big thing is that it has to be consistently used. So, like... We all watch sitcoms, right? And it's very obvious on a soundstage, the lights are all the same, but it's sort of like that is the world that they have built. So you're watching a like a purpose-built world and everything constant. And it's always a little jarring when you see the characters like outside on the New York City street. Like so different. You can't control for it the way they can. In a virtual per um, production set, I want, it doesn't need to look realistic the whole way through, but it needs to be consistent the whole way through. And then just for my brain, it needs to be seamless enough that I'm not constantly going, Oh, I can see where that is. Oh, I can see where that is. You want to just be able to immerse yourself in the story. So kind of to go back to what Mim said, it needs to be in service of the story in service playing um, something that feels, you know, sort of true and real and then immerses you in it and you kind of, you know, you can turn off the, the AV nerd part of your brain. Yeah. So I, I've probably used this quote too many times to the point that people might start to think that I actually made this quote. It's not me, but uh, Jeff Goldblum's character, whose name I will never remember, but I will always remember what he said in Jurassic Park. He, <laughs> when, faced with the, the question of, um, you know, was building a, a giant park that had prehistoric dinosaurs uh, alive and walking around uh, children, was that a good idea or a bad idea? He lets everyone know, you know, you were so happy to think about what you could do. You didn't stop to think about what you should do. And, you know, one of the things that I, that I remember actually when we worked with View Studios, Charles, was uh, Tim, um, the I believe he was the CEO of, of View Studios. He actually mentioned this idea of, you know, when in these studios, for those who don't know, that is a virtual production studio that has several uh, stages around the country, including in Orlando, Florida, where we were. And he was saying, you know, sometimes this technology is the right choice and sometimes it's not. So when they have a bid or they have a, a client, you know, he can recognize sometimes it might be easier to shoot this commercial in the park if what we're supposed to do is have a park scene than it would be to move everything in, indoors. So there's logistical reasons sometimes too why you would not do it. But Mim, since you you are a filmmaker, um, a professional filmmaker, um, what are one of the, one or two of the top reasons that you feel you and other filmmakers would choose to you would choose that would help you? Let me ask that question again. Sorry. As a filmmaker, <laughs> what are one or two of the top reasons that would make you or maybe other filmmakers choose to employ or explore virtual production today? Ooh. All right. So I'm going to tell you that the, the short answer is, um, and sometimes, sometimes it's cheaper. 
sincerely, right? Like, I mean, I think that's kind of the case that a lot of studios are, are dealing with now, especially as we're talking about like theaters kind of phasing out of existence, right? And um, it's, it's easier. I think um, in some ways, COVID both spoiled us and challenged us, right? And um, and so, but that would probably be the primary reason. In other words, is it cheaper to to go heavily into a manufactured, right, um, a, a reality, right, versus actually kind of building it out, right? So the bottom line, it would be the number one reason. And it's so fascinating because I was I was a purist, like at one point was like, no, this has to be real. But then, like, when you're looking at the ledger, and you're, and you're like, you know what I mean? And you're also, like, you're also saying things like, hey, to bring on these actors on set for another week of shoots, right? Like, those are things, that would be the number one reason. But um, something that Hope says is what we're realizing now is we're realizing consistently the story suffers if you're overly relying on that. And so... But that's my that's the that's the answer I have for you today. Tomorrow I, have, I would have a different answer, but today that's what I have for you. Yeah, I, and I I don't think that any of us are arguing that virtual production ever necessarily makes a production better. It just needs to fit, just like so many other pieces of technology that we all get our hands on. Um, uh, an old coworker of mine, actually uh, someone that uh, I think Mims and I both knew. Uh, once used a phrase that I've loved called the democratization of technology. And he was basically saying, you know, people are walking around with computers in their pockets today. Um, there are children that are doing virtual production using their phones at home, and they're using it in some really innovative ways. And they may not be making huge feature films, but they're using it in pretty cool ways. And sometimes what's interesting is that that little innocent child is actually doing it in a more meaningful way than some that are being paid to do it for a lot of, of money. Now, that's not to critique or criticize the film industry. That's sort of just the caution that I think we would all have as technologists, as tech enthusiasts, to say, if we're going to use it, try to be as meaningful with it as possible. Um, I like to think about the fact that there are three kind of main areas that get impacted. So we'll actually move into our, our, our second segment for the episode here, where we've talked a little bit about the history and the evolution, but now we're going to talk a little bit more about our reactions and our impact and the impacts. Um, virtual production seems to affect three main groups. It seems to affect the crews, the production crews, um, pros and cons. It seems to impact uh, the performers, the actors or musicians, whoever happens to be on stage getting recorded. There's pros and cons there. And then there's also, of course, the audience, which we can never forget. We should never, ever, 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 ever forget, right? The audience. There's pros and cons there as well. So considering our guests are so knowledgeable about this topic, um, I'd love to know, let's talk positives. Let's talk about some advantages, uh, things that we feel are huge advantages either for crews, performers, audiences, um, with virtual production, and, and maybe you can even just throw out some of your favorite examples of virtual production. Um, well, actually, I'll start with you, Charles. Um, for me, virtual production, it's been an, a weird ride because when Mandalorian came out, when Lion King came out, I am all for the technology. Then Book of Boba Fett came out. Then other properties came out, and they didn't quite use it properly. For me, when I look at virtual production, because I fell in love with graphics and special effects, and that's where the love first started, whatever I'm watching has to make sense. It has to look right, and it has to look good. Um, I would love for things to be shot on virtual production more often if it's done right, because how many times do you see a movie shot on green screen? 
and it clearly looks like it's shot on green screen, but no one's talking about that. You know what I mean? No one's saying, oh, it's clearly shot on green screen. We got to talk about this technology. No, because virtual production is so cool and the opportunities are there. It's like, hold on. Like we're actually sitting on a landmine. So as a fan, you know, I uh, want to see mine. it work. A gold mine. Yeah, gold mine. <laughs> Not a landmine. <laughs> ah, boom. <laughs> um, it could be a landmine. That's um, true. <laughs> but, you know, I, as a fan, I want things to work and I want things to blend right so that I can just enjoy what I'm watching. And you don't have to use virtual production like as, like, as a, like a dome, you know, like you're on this set stage. Um Going to Oblivion that first started using, well, not, not first, but really made um, good use of the film production all around that big glass room. It looks so good, so nice. It works so well that going forward, you know, you're like, well, how are we going to constantly like figure out, are we going to do rear projection? Are we going to do virtual production? Are we going to use green screen? So I want it to look great. Going into the movie Bullet Train, you probably don't know this, but Bullet Train used a lot of virtual production, but the train was not virtual production. What was seen through the windows was virtual production. And that's how you tie it back to Oblivion, how Oblivion did it right. You go to that and use those techniques, and now you can focus on your characters. Now you can focus on your set, have tangible objects that really interact with each other. I mean, again, the train was real, so they're able to run and hit whatever they want. And what you see through that window, the lights, it really makes you feel like they're on this train to Busan. <laughs> no, they're on this bullet train going forward, and this guy is really trying to fight for his life. So that's kind of like how I feel about it. Yeah, and it. so and for anyone at home who knows of the other version of that movie, we're talking about the newest uh, version of bullet train that has a uh, Brad Pitt. And that was actually one of the examples I was thinking of using today. And I was like, nah, they'll probably know that one um, where, yeah, in the train there's, there's uh, they're in the train, but what's outside the train is not really, not really real. Um, but Charles, you also hit my favorite example, like my number one favorite example for me personally of virtual production was actually the movie oblivion. Um, Oblivion is a, is a Tom Cruise film. Hopefully uh, you guys know what it is or you've seen it. Um, honestly, what's weird is the content is totally meant to be King and the content is King. I will tell you, I've forgotten what the story is of that film, but I do remember what it made me feel. <laughs> I do remember that the way that they were telling said story made me feel something really kind of uh, big. Uh, I, I really felt something watching that. And that was actually when, when Tom Cruise steps outside of, uh, or steps off of the like sky copter or whatever, this futuristic helicopter, he steps out onto a platform and he just looks out at the sky. He just looks, he's above the clouds and everything. And it's, it is gorgeous. It is this gorgeous moment. And I, when I've been in a plane, that's kind of one of my favorite things. I want to be I want a window seat because I want to look out there. That's not something you experience that often or certainly not every day uh, or I don't. And so that was really impactful for me thinking, man, this is amazing. I can't believe he's, he's in this place. I was like, is he, is he really up, up that high? And it turned out it was just projection. It was projection the entire time. They did the same thing where they uh, were able to get lighting to uh, you know fleck off of him and other materials because there was real sunlight going on and it just, it really, really moved me. Um, again, I've forgotten the story. The story is important, but I do remember what they were trying to show. And in that, they were trying to just show this expansive, almost loneliness that he actually had because he was in this really strange place far from Earth, essentially. Um, 
Hope, uh, Mims, what are some of your uh, favorite examples of virtual production that you've seen in film and television? And, and what do you think are the, sort of the pros and cons that you're seeing in those? Yeah, I'd say, I mean, we're, I mean, we're also getting some phenomenal performances, right? Like, in other words, like, um, I, I think Charles and Hope were talking earlier about when you're having to um, deliver these lines in front of a talking head or a, a we're still not knowing in the room. I mean, um, I'll give you an example of a, a good buddy of mine who worked on Wakanda Forever um, and those scenes with Angela Bassett when she's not talking to anyone like you're these actors are having to really connect with the character in meaningful ways right because and guess what some feed off of others but when you're actually having to dive into the story and like become that character we're getting some phenomenal performances um thanks to provide because you can't hide with amongst peers like there's no hiding there and so um that's probably the biggest pro i think that we're, we're getting i mean we're getting some phenomenal art um that's that's what I've been appreciating um, as of late, I'd say. Yeah, I'll I'll jump in there just really quick one more time. Um, so apart from being a tech person, uh, I actually come from a performing background. And the moment I got to be on a virtual production stage when we did that the, that video out at uh, View Studios, Charles, I didn't say this, but I, I was just hosting the video and I didn't really have to act act. But I've had to act, act before, and I've had to act in something where there wasn't real things around me. And I cannot express enough <laughs> how meaningful it is to see that someone is like, oh, someone in the back is like, oh, we need to move the sun. And they move the sun. So now I'm looking at where the sun is. Like, it's in real time. I think we've, we've talked a lot about the advantages and the disadvantages here, here, but let's just remember, everybody, this technology is allowing us to do stuff in real time. It's not just post-production. You can make a change to your story in the moment because it just makes more sense for me to look over here and for this to be my eye line. And I don't have to make that up. So you feel this partnership with the crew. You don't feel like it's all on you to convey your line or what it is that's coming from your performance. There's, there's help going on. There's this, a symbiosis that I just think is really, really uh, beautiful personally. So hope. Yeah. Mm -hmm. MCU fan, movie fan. What's your favorite? <laughs> yeah. I I just love the fact that the same post production like dark filter on every movie now. Like when you can't get the lighting right because of the green screen, they're like, "That's fine, bring it down 6dB," and everything looks like it was filmed like at night. And because of virtual production, you know everything we talked about before. From you're not getting that green glow, they're able to light it. You know, um, actually, my favorite. Uh, example is not a super one it's um our flag means death is um, almost all virtual production the lighting on that is just absolutely beautiful and it's because um out and they sent a crew and they basically i don't know you if you have a chance to look up the videos of it it's pretty wild what they did they basically built like this google street view version of a rig where they were all in a big these big 8K cameras, and they just went out and they filmed in every kind of weather think of, because um, weather is such a big part of that story. So, you know, if they needed it to rain, it could rain behind them. If they needed it to be cloudy, it could be behind them. If they needed a sunset, you know, they had that. Uh, so for the crew loved not having to wait for it to rain. And then for me as an audience member, I just really loved watching. I mean, that show is just a great story. It's got a great um, and then the lighting on it is just absolutely beautiful. 
Yeah, and if I can kind of jump in there, uh, Mark, you might understand when someone says the magic hour. Yeah. It only lasts for like yeah. 45 <laughs> minutes, maybe an hour if you're lucky. Um, yeah. I remember in college shooting a music video and the magic hour shot was so beautiful, mm. but we messed up. Oh. We had to do it again. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't possible. You had to wait till another day and now hair mm -hmm. looks different. Now clothes yeah. look different. The, the sun might not be in the right place. Like things are just different. Having the ability to shoot the magic hour all day long is a game changer. So like what Hope said about lighting being a crucial factor, like being able to control your environment is is pretty darn cool, especially mm -hmm. if you have to travel to a certain state just to get that environment. So Charles, you just mentioned the idea of dusk and shooting at golden hour. And there is an example in the Batman where they were doing that. The example I shared earlier they are filming this whole scene where they're on the, the high rise and you see the JJ Abrams lens flare in the background. They're filming that at a fake golden hour. And yeah, Hollywood's able to benefit from this, but man, it would have been nice if in college we could have been doing this too. And just I'll be in golden hour for every moment of this music video <laughs> or, or whatever the video was. Um, yeah. But you know, we were, we were in the trenches. We were in the trenches, uh, slogging it out <laughs> i mean i know when i was in college the the greatest thing that we had was a back lot you know you have all these fake buildings set up and you use every single building from every angle until you max out that back lot and then you go to a different angle yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? and you just keep going and and change things as best as you can and so i mean you kind of see the evolution of film production as it goes you know we had live sets then we moved to back lots then we moved to sound stages and these sound stages had you know all these great lightings uh the sycamores you had the white ones you had the black ones then we had the green screens blue screens to this day i don't understand how to key blue i can key green but can't key blue and that's the big thing that every movie uses um and then you go beyond that and you get to virtual production and obviously there are little steps along the way that help improve how we get to this point but now that everybody is using this technology i mean it just kind of goes to show you you know creatives aren't going to be held back we're going to figure out how to tell our story good or bad i mean Technology does not determine if you're a, a smart storyteller or a good storyteller. It just helps you do that. That's all it does. It just helps you make that story. And everybody wants to tell a story and Hollywood is going to find a way to manipulate this technology, overuse this technology, just like they've done with every other technology. So people that are watching don't feel any negative feelings towards virtual production. Just learn more about it. Figure out how can you use this? How can you be a part of virtual production? Or how can you help virtual production get to the next stage of whatever's going to be after virtual production? I mean, we have AI technology now. I'm sure those two technologies are going to meet one day and talk to each other. I hope they don't talk because that's scary, um, mm -hmm. but they'll figure out how to, to work with each other and really improve production. So that that's just my take on it. Um, I did have a video that maybe we could share or we can kind of touch upon, um, but back in 2020, when the pandemic said, hey guys, we're not making content like we used to, American Idol was a part of the trend of using the volume or using a, a, an LED wall to some kind of way. And Katy Perry delivered a live performance on an LED soundstage. Um, so obviously, if it were to go into post, it would look even better. 
Um, so you kind of see some of the flaws where shadows don't quite line up and things like that. But for it to be a live experience, it's pretty darn cool. Earlier, Mark, you talked about how it's cheaper. Um, yeah. I don't know where I saw this, but uh, there's a current show that's being filmed right now that's $100,000 per day just to mm. film on location. And imagine you still got to pay people. You still have to pay people. <laughs> yeah, I think it's coming from the side of um, like the studio side and working with like platforms and like your streamers. Um, you get to see a, a view of the books <laughs> that's that goes beyond because I think that a lot of the conversations come from the aspect of independent filmmaking, right? But like when you're having to pay some talent um, double that, right? And their contracts say if they work nine hours a day versus eight hours a day, right? Then that automatically spikes. And so I can understand why studios commit to early on saying, "Hey, look, we're gonna get what we get." In a week, <laughs> the rest is going to be, you know, manufactured. So, yeah, it's it's a very different experience. And we, but we all saw that with the strike. That's honestly what a large part of the conversation was. It is how do you protect the actors and the talent and those who are kind of giving these performances in the studio saying, OK, great. The cost for making films based off of audience demand is also increasing. Right. But how do you make sure that it's not exploitative for the creators? So. So, yeah, it's it's. It's interesting. It's interesting. I think that I think it's sort of virtual production can be a little bit seen like AI, where it needs to be something that you're adding, not something that you're replacing. So, you know, a lot of people say AI might just be used to enhance things going forward. So we take something and we bring it to the next level, but we're not replacing the creatives. We're not replacing the content creators. We're just adding to it. Same thing with virtual production. It's like, okay, you know, we still have to build a beautiful set. We still have to have good actors. We still have to light it properly. But now, you know, we can go back in and do reshoots after the fact, and we don't have to fly everybody to Tahiti to do it. You know, we can do it here on a sound stage. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's also some really interesting parts about where AI is going in technology that hasn't been like released yet. And to Charles' point, some of it is actually very scary, right? Like it's, it's, uh, it's nerve wracking to your point, Hope. It's like what happens is like, like we need these things. It should not be replacing. It should be adding to it, you know? And what some of these companies are able to do right now, I mean, I would be really interested to have this conversation in two years just to see reactions from folks because it's going to be a very different conversation. Um, but at the same token, from a tech enthusiast, it's like, oh, enthusiast, like, oh this, is, this is phenomenal. This is like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but on the flip side, like you said, but what are we, but at what cost, right? Like what you said earlier, Leon, it's like, yeah, we can do it, but should we, you know? So it's, it's, it's both a scary and exciting time all in the same breath. So. Yeah. Leon, set that calendar uh, notification for two years <laughs> from now, and we can, we can all come back and revisit this. Although maybe they'll have just replaced us all with deep fakes. <laughs> I was asking you, deep fakes on virtual production. <laughs> uh, I mean, as a Marvel nerd, I would, I would absolutely have it like RDJ its way through. Like, I actually had on my voicemail once, you've reached the life model decoy of Leon Prather. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, if, if you're really big nerd, I know what LMD you know, is. Yeah, that's from. Yeah. <laughs> I would I, love I, one. I've <laughs> tried the t I've tried the team's avatar feature, but it's it's creepy. You send oh. your little avatar into the meeting, and then you're just like sitting at your desk, like eating something, scratching your head, like not caring what you wear. But it doesn't it's it's weird. Um, 
I, to put my CTS uh, teacher nerd hat back on, uh, I, I think it, it's similar to what we teach in our classes about form and function, you know, that the, the, it needs to follow the function. So you can't just use it because you think it looks cool. It needs to serve a purpose. You need to, it needs to be part of your ecosystem, part of why you're doing it. I mean, I guess probably the one limitation with um, virtual production right now is it, it gets a little easier to um, to spot because the camera angles don't change too high or too low because uh, it doesn't it doesn't go all the way around it sort of like you can tell you know in that sort of callback video with the bride that they're going for that certain look the camera never changed because we didn't have Unreal Engine back then so they couldn't move the scenery around in real time so it was always a static shot and that was how you knew that they were filming something behind it I think you know whoever Quentin Tarantino's like uh you know person who who's who's you know the next one coming up like that you know they're gonna have a movie 20 years from now and it's gonna have that callback because it's like oh yeah they never went real high they never went real low mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> i was gonna it's say got that look <laughs> everything's a lens flare everything's golden hour it's like <laughs> they find one trick and then they use it and keep using it until yeah. that trick is played out yep well, hopefully, uh, but, like you said, that's Charles, also what I wanted to say with the video that I sent you with Katy yeah. Perry is because it's on a live stage, the camera is on a crane and it's actually moving around and still keeping all the objects within frame and whatnot, which is pretty cool, actually, on top of the fact that it, it, it doesn't quite look real because it's a live performance. Right. But, uh, yeah, if you skip to like around the 30 second mark, you'll be able to see her interacting with like a photo in a room and stuff. Yeah. And you, I think I love that you said, you know, creators, I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase creators going to create <laughs> mm -hmm. creators are going to find ways to make this matter and not, not so much make the technology matter, but they're going to find ways to, to, to boost the stories. Um, you know, hope you mentioned the idea of, uh, you know, the, the kill bill bit where, yeah, you could totally tell that it is what it is now in that particular case, that's someone choosing to use it so that, you know, because it's helping them serve the story. But it is absolutely true that once something becomes uh, new and kind of popular, everyone does jump on the bandwagon to try to use it. You guys have been talking about AI here for a little bit. Um, and that is that is definitely one of those those places as well. And AI is being used in virtual production. So, yeah, a lot of people are concerned about, well, where are we going to start? Are we all going to start to be replaced as creators or is AI going to is AI now going to just move the camera for us uh, in these virtual worlds? Uh, is AI going to write the music? What's going to go on here? And I think I think there's always going to be a place for the human, um, but it's up to the human, I think, to find the best way to use the tech and not let the tech run them. You know? Yeah. But this is this is really interesting. I'm actually my my brain's going in and out looking at this Katy Perry video where she's got a uh, for those listeners at home she's got chairs that are next to her, but then she's got walls that expand, and then she looks right now she looks like she's about to fall out of a window that's floating in space. Um, this is all effect, and you can tell in some cases you know where the cracks are. But I would venture to guess that it probably didn't matter too much to those who made this if you saw all the cracks, right? Yeah, there's still With that this idea being a live of, experience. I think they were more so mm -hmm. excited to just see it blend together. Yeah. And this was also three years ago. So imagine it being done today. Now that mm -hmm. virtual production is a lot easier to create than it was then. People understand it better. 
Yeah, so. for sure. So yeah. I, I think where I would take this to, to sort of close things out here, if, if, if we can, um, we've really touched on a lot of things here. We've, we're, none of us are saying that virtual production is the thing that makes the story better or the thing that even makes the production better. But we all recognize that there is what seems like limitless potential, potent, potentially limitless potential. Is that, is that a thing you can say? <laughs> um, that we'll this, is, this is a technology <laughs> yeah. that has great potential, but its potential is only limited by the minds of those that are wielding the tool, right? Um, there are places where it maybe shouldn't be used and there are places where you probably need to use it, <laughs> Avatar. Um, <laughs> and then there are places where, um, you know, you could use it one way or another, but maybe the tech actually pushes the story forward a bit. So I think as we as we close this out and we think through all those different advantages and, and also some of the disadvantages that we've seen, uh, disadvantages being things like misuse or overuse, um, not careful application, right? And maybe even not even bringing everybody to the table when you should. It's like the production pipelines changed by having virtual production. The artists are getting involved sooner and they need to be, right? If you don't have the right people there, eh, it's not maybe, maybe going to be the best product. But advantages are things like reduced production time, in some cases, safer environments for the actors, <laughs> depending on what it is you're trying to accomplish on screen. Um, you can do faster productions with tighter timelines. Like Red Notice is actually a really great example of that one, if you know anything about that. Um, a lot of big name actors there, and they were all put together for a very short amount of time to get that film uh, produced. Uh, you can focus on actors like they did in uh, Top Gun Maverick, where you've got uh, Tom Cruise in the cockpit of a fighter jet and what's around him, it, it's legit. But what, what you're seeing is Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise isn't actually flying that plane, but you're getting this uh, this really close look at the actor and his uh, reactions to what's going on in the environment. Although so, Tom Cruise did fly a plane, though. Oh, he did. Oh, he, he absolutely <laughs> there was did. was a scene where he, they, they did the uh, virtual production shots so that they could really get his face. Mm -hmm. And then they did shots of him actually flying in, in mm -hmm. the sky. Yep. Okay, they crazy. just didn't have him do the death-defying maneuvers <laughs> necessarily. That the uh, I'm sure he machine. wanted to. Yeah, he um, was probably super mad about that. He's, he's like, "That's my whole brand. I break something, and then everyone talks about it." <laughs> well, what I'd love to hear from everybody, just go around the room here. Let me know what do you think would be the next cool thing to see, or the next really meaningful use of virtual production technology today. Think about game engines, LED screens. Really, the sky's the limit on on. Uh, or there's no no end to what you can choose to use here. But if you could put together an application for that, what would that look like today? I remember 2010. I think it was. Um, this was when I was trying to figure out my career, and I was running around trying to do those multi level marketing programs. And I went to this one guy's house. He had a lot of money, and he had a large theater room and we were playing Madden and the the characters were literally the size of me and I was like this is an experience I see all the advantages of using VR headsets and playing these games but I can only imagine what it would be like in a virtual playground where you can actually interact you have I don't know some kind of tips on your fingers that connect they see the lasers or whatever so they know what you're doing but it feels like you're actually in that arena you know it could be a almost like a theme park attraction for sports 
You know, be on uh, the field with Bo Jackson, be on the field with Tom Brady, be on the field with these greatest athletes and see what it's like to be in their world. Yeah. Experience attractions. Experience attractions. Yeah. 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 I, I think um, I'm, I'm actually right there with Charles. I think that um, I'm watching what I say here. There are companies that are really diving into immersive experience. And I can I can say what Fortnite has coming out, what they're working on right now, is going to be a game changer. Um, but also, like, like, it's because you're talking about the next phase being a truly immersive experience, not this this small person you're walking on the screen, but to, like, I, I think we're, it's going to sound over the top. I think we're not as far away from a Ready Player One world as most people might think that we are. I, I don't think we're as far away as people think we are. I think that, um, especially again, when I t- when you talk about the effects of of, of the of the pandemic in 2020, and watching how kids bonded with other kids through gaming, and like, I, I think we're I think we're gonna again. This is one of those things where I say again in three years we need to have this conversation when we're yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I think we're in a sure. different world. But that's I'd love to see that. That's like I said, being a, a truly to Charles' point, an immersive experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my, my daughter hung out with all of her friends in 2020 on Animal Crossing, you know? Mm-hmm. And they were all just little cartoon animals. Um, uh, I have to say, I think the thing I'm the most excited for is like the democratization process of this, right? Mm-hmm. So like you can't have a real true, um, you know, LED volume at a, at a, at a like cheap, for a cheap price right now. It, it brings it down cheaper for independent filmmakers, but I'm, I'm, I'm totally psyched to see, you know, I mean, you do see some YouTube videos of like, oh, I, you know, I, I built this at my house. I did this at my house, but like, as the technology gets to a point where, you know, my daughter in five years could be making something where film students can experience it, just sort of the, the, um, every time sort of technology moves forward, it brings the, the blockbusters get bigger and then the independent stuff gets more, um, available. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, what some, some people whose voices we might not have otherwise heard are going to do with this. Yeah. So honestly, the immersive experience bit is that really piques my interest. And I, I think I thought of what the best application might be. I don't like to say best. I don't like to go superlatives, but you know, I think I'm right. I think I'm right. I think the next best thing would be if we can make a way for people to do virtual production in in such a way that they feel like they are here with us, here with us in the middle of this podcast recording, because I got to tell you, this is one of my favorite ones that we've done so far. So uh, whoever's coming out with the tech right now, listen to us right now, find a way to make it so that people can feel like they're in the middle of a podcast recording. I can't think of anything more exciting. We've done space with gravity. We've gone underwater with Avatar. Nah. No, it's an Avixa podcast recording for AV Reacts. And if you disagree, that's fine. You are entitled to be wrong. But if you enjoyed this podcast episode and you enjoy content like this, know that you can always find us on all the podcast platforms of your choosing. We've got us on Avixa TV. You can like uh, like us there. You can go to YouTube. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and other places as well. But we can't wait to hear from you uh, in the comments if you guys are commenting to let us know how you feel about this episode. And we definitely are looking forward to our next one with you all as well. So hopefully we'll have this crew back at some point. We'll talk about virtual production in the future. But 
without further ado, I'll let you guys go and deuces. Deuces.